Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. that uh, our intro music, despite the flack that it gets from just about everyone, mentions a tiger. And so right now, we're very topical. It's a perfect time to have that, that music. They're releasing like a new, uh, a new episode. Is it today? I think I th- as, the, as, the, uh, the, as the young people like to say, I think it slaps. I, it's different. That's for sure. Um, all right. It is the 13th of April. We are uh, just about a week away from the NFL draft. Uh, this is the PFF forecast. We're doing some fun stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about the setup uh, for the NFL draft. It should be funny. I, I saw a video that I want to bring up. Um, we're going to talk about the XFL dying. Uh, and then we're going to do the top 13 picks with the best and worst, but still like semi-realistic version uh, of those picks would be. Um, and then we're going to do uh, a redux of how our lives have changed during the quarantine, which I'm excited for. So um, you're back at home. You made it back. I did. And, uh, you know, um, despite uh, taking 99 out of 100 parts of the quarantine seriously, I got a little flack for for moving my family to where we had power, uh, you know, the other day, uh, which is fine. I mean, I'm I'm big time, uh, you know, pro science, pro follow the hashtag, follow the rules. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Um, but we are back. We are back being quarantined. And, did you uh, get flack? Did you get flack because you ex- you went outside of the house, or because you used some of the hard-earned money that you made to like rent a place where you could have power? Well, see, this is the thing. I feel like it since it was obviously legal for me to do. I I was probably helping somebody who had not gotten you know basically sure. anything from the economy from that place for probably what a month. Uh, and we took precautions to basically scrub the entire place down before anybody walked in. Uh, and then we did the same when we left. I feel like we were being responsible, but some people are, some people just log on to the, to things to get mad at people, you know? Well, so that's the interesting thing is we've got a lot of people right now who've spent way too much time uh, on social media and social media right now. I, it, it seems super negative. I, I actually will talk about this at the end. I've watched less TV as a result of this by many orders of magnitude, which has, I think, been positive. But if you are still watching much TV, you're super negative. There's a lot of like hate out there. So I think you got some some residue from all that. I didn't judge you. I just was shocked that you found a place that you could rent because I didn't know, like if I had an Airbnb, I'm not sure I'd be renting it out um, to other people. 
But also in the middle of a quarantine is when you kind of most need power. I don't know. I feel like people should get over themselves. Um, it would be funny, of course, if someone were to lose power during the NFL draft. So they're going to have like, everyone's <laughs> going to be at home. Yeah. Um, it, it was announced by a couple of different people. Albert Breer and Peter King talked about how uh, Roger Goodell is going to be doing the draft from his basement. Which makes it. I watched SNL last night, the one that everyone did at home, and Pete Davidson is like living in his mom's basement. But it's like the most tricked out, cool basement I've ever seen. Right. And right. so I feel like everyone has this image of Roger Goodell in his basement, and it's like this, you know, dingy garage. His basement is probably nicer than everyone's home. Uh, so I'm excited to see that. What else are you really excited to see uh, during the draft? Because I think there's like five, ten things that I just can't wait to watch. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously this has been the most invested we've been. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, obviously how our production is. I'm, I'm really excited that we've cultivated a group of, you know, eight to 10 people who have really good opinions, I think about things and different opinions. So I'm excited for when things happen. I'm excited to see how Michael react. I'm excited to see how you react. Uh, you know, um, those are, you know, obviously great things. Um, I'm excited for that first pick that the Cleveland Farrell pick, like the first one where like with the fourth pick in the draft, the New York giants select Javon Kinlaw. Yeah. And I'm like, and we're all like, Holy shit. Like this, Derek breaks Brown. Down, this breaks down everything. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, and I, well, are I'm, you here? So here's a question. So that pick is announced. Are we going to see, Dave Gettleman in his home, like phone that pick in. So I, I just watched before we came on here, I watched Ian Rappaport talk about this. He was like, okay, all the ITs, IT guys have gone to houses and they've installed cameras for, uh, you know, yeah. all the different things so that things can be broadcast. And, you know, I'm just using myself as an example. Like I look like a total atrocity for like 99.99% of the day. And the other like 0.01% is right now where I only look mild, like a mild atrocity. I'm wondering if GMs are in this situation where like, yeah, they're going to try and get themselves ready, but it's still potentially going to be really funny. And you're not talking about Thomas Dimitrov's interview with Peter yes. King, are you? Okay. So if you haven't seen this, Peter King does an interview with Thomas Dimitrov, the GM of the Atlanta Falcons. Our Falcons. And, yeah. Our Falcons. So uh, Dimitrov, in fairness to him, I think always looks, you know, super fashion forward. Like he's, he's usually dressed pretty well. Uh, he's got a progressive haircut at most times. He comes on the screen in this interview at home with aviators and a fitted Atlanta Falcons hat. Um, and I made the joke to you. I was like, one of these guys in the picture is a GM, you know, like which one do you think it is? Right. Peter King looks like a GM. Dimitrov looks like a young, you know, uh, entrepreneurial, uh, young mind trying to get some words out of a GM. I am fascinated for what types of looks these guys are going with. Are they just going to go like, is someone going to be wearing a, a onesie or something? I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, like a Snuggie. Do you think like the you first pe- gentleman in a Snuggie dude? Uh, yes, I can. Uh, I feel like, I feel like that's like peak football guy. Peak football guy is like sweatpants with elastic, like the bottom leg elastic. Uh, and then like, obviously some Vans shoes with like Velcro. Oh, they're and wearing shoes in their home. You think? Maybe. I mean, like how, how else are you going to bust out some like lunges? 
I, I, so here's the thing. You, you go on, you know, you're going to be on camera. You don't want to be the one GM that overdresses because you want to seem like you've just been grinding the tape for the last 160 straight hours. Right. So you don't want to overdress. I feel like we're going to get a lot of sweatpants. Uh, but there's going to be one guy. There's going to be one guy that just looks totally out of place. So I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited for like a random, uh, uh, like other person sighting. So Dave Gettleman's like wife comes in to bring him a sandwich or something. I'm really excited for that. I think that'd be great. Um, I also think a sneaky uh, random outtake would be someone just farting and not realizing they're on camera. Yeah. And that's somehow getting leaked. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one. Um, folks who are, you know, pretty, you know, they have a public face and a private face, I'm guessing, a lot of them. And being able to merge the two might not be the most uh, fluid thing uh, we've ever seen. No, I mean, it's a struggle for us, to be perfectly honest. Um, you had to pick one guy right now that has some sort of malfunction, whether it be technological or any other sort of situation. Yeah. Who, who would you bet on if everyone had I, even odds? I mean, Gettleman's the easy one. Um, but... Oh man, I'm th- I'm trying to think. Uh, Ryan, like, what if like Ryan Pace? They go to Ryan Pace just to like make sure he's alive because they don't have a pick in the first like two or three rounds, right. and he's just sleeping. Or worse. Or like, worse. Yeah, way Jeez. worse. Uh, or better, depending on how you see it, man. Right. Uh, I had a couple that came to mind. So the first was. I, I thought Gettleman was way too easy of a one. I think he'll be on heightened awareness, like not let me do something down. Um, but a couple of, of thoughts. So I feel like Doug Peterson is the type of I don't give a fuck guy. Like I could see him just having some Hagen uh in the middle of the draft because we know he's an ice cream guy. I also think Jerry Jones is a sneaky one um, to do something on purpose uh, because you know he loves the attention. I feel like he's – I feel like knowing that he's got this camera on him and they're looking for, um, you're, you're looking for something exciting. I just think there's a chance he does something to grab people's attention. It would be really fun for Jerry Jones to be in on the joke for once. Uh huh. No, I, I think that's legitimately possible. And I could see, I could even see Roger Goodell because he, so here's the thing. Goodell's going to come out. No one's going to boo him. They, he's going to feel like the world is a million it, bucks. Yeah. And He's going. To, I could see Roger Goodell going for some comedic relief. Now, whether it comes off or not is a total crapshoot. But I would love to see that. That's the thing that I'm hoping happens most. Um, because I mean, can you imagine? That'd be. I think that'd be great. Um, I don't know if Dimitrov repeats aviators and fitted hat. I'll tell you what. I'm not wearing that for the draft show. As tempted as I am. Yeah, the, well, he probably – it depends upon how he – I think he's he a vegan, so he must just not oh, care what he? people think. Yeah, so um, so maybe maybe he will be undeterred by possible comments about his appearance with Peter King. Now I feel like go for a repeat. So before, before the podcast, I, I didn't get a chance to eat uh, my normal first meal of the day. So my first meal of the day was a cookie. <laughs> that tells you how far down the – the rabbit hole I've fallen at a chocolate chip yeah. cookie before the podcast. Um, okay. Uh, the XFL is gone. You cared way more about the XFL than I did, but I do think this story is noteworthy uh, for the simple fact that it was relatively successful. So 
you hear the XFL has closed up shop, what does that mean to you? Is this a negative sign overall? Does it not matter? Is there somehow that it's a positive sign? Well, anytime all those people lose their jobs and that type of thing and we lose football, it's not a good thing. I mean, I feel really bad. I know some people in the league and um, obviously they were doing a great job. I thought their social media was terrific. Was, uh, the their account was awesome. Their their games were obviously entertaining. Uh, I thought they leaned into gambling and fantasy um, more than the NFL, uh, but not. Yeah, I don't know. We we had some criticisms then early, but I thought they did a better job later on. Um, but you know, if I think it's probably you know what it's it's obviously not great uh, to to look forward and say to yourself, okay there's not going to be this supplemental league in 2021 from the perspective of the NFL starting on time. I can't see how it's a positive because what, what they're maybe projecting is that the NFL is maybe a month late, two months late. uh, And uh, you know, that would obviously bleed into a fledgling league, which is trying to get, you know, to, to, you know, hit their stride. But the, most plausible explanation is just it's really hard to start a business and it's infinitely hard, if not impossible, to start one under a global pandemic when, you know, you're only you were only halfway through paying customers paying for your your product. Well, this is the whole point. And someone. So I, I, one of the things I did this weekend was I rewatched some of the old Masters tournaments because this was Masters weekend. I love the Masters. It's probably my second favorite non-football sporting event. Um, of the year in addition to like the NBA finals and Jim Nance comes on and he's in his beautiful backyard in Pebble Beach, California. Uh, the ocean is in the background, beautiful golf course. And he goes, you know, hello friends. It's great to be with you during these trying times. And I tweeted something out like, you know, kind of making fun of the fact that he mentioned these trying times and someone was like, you know, it's hard for everyone. And yeah, it is, but it's way harder for some people than it is for others. Like the degree of trying is way more variant than it normally is where people in situations where they have a lot of money, like the NFL are going to be okay because they can survive financially. And if you can survive financially, that's like 99% of the battle because you can also keep yourself healthy in that way. The XFL is like the poor person who had a job in the restaurant business and is 25 and loses their job and doesn't have resources to keep themselves afloat. So like this, to me, this isn't indicative of the NFL not starting on time. It's simply a financial thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if the whole, you know, the fact that the person that owns, you know, that McMahon who owns the XFL also was losing a ton of money from the whole wrestling side of things, which I think he was counting on to probably pay some of those bills right at the start. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is just like, you know, you talk about 2008 and where risk is not independent during tail events, right? If you, um, you know, it, it'd be one thing if XFL got off to a slow start, but that's somewhat independent of wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be different if wrestling started to suck and, uh, you know, and the XFL did well, right? Those things are largely independent, but a global pandemic puts all of those things and oftentimes they all bust at the same time. And that's really what we saw here. So, you know, there are people tweeting like, well, you know, is spring football just simply can't work. It, it, this is another example. And I'm like, you know, that might be true. It might be true that spring football isn't 
a viable business model. But the XFL in its current standing is not an example of why, right? This is just, it's sort of like, you know, if I were to, you know, go vegan and I would, and I didn't lose, or I didn't lose 40 pounds. It's not an example of why veganism can't help you lose weight. It's like these trying circumstances keep basically anything from working. Right. And so let's focus on like the main variable here. Uh, I, you know, I really enjoyed the XFL, but I completely understand why they're, they're in their current situation. I'm hoping that in 2022, they can come back, but you know, at some point in time, you know, it, it oftentimes the smartest move is to cut your losses. And it, it looks like that's at least what they've done here for the foreseeable future. Yes or no. Do they come back? Uh, I would say no. I would say no is minus 200. But at the same time, like I, you know, obviously I'd love to see them come back, but it, it's probably not feasible for a while. I wonder if the NFL actually takes a look at how successful they were and says, hey, this is the time of the year that we can profit more than we have been because um, I'm kind of with you. I think it's it's more of an opportunity for the NFL. And I just don't, I don't know if it happens. Maybe five years down the road, uh, they give another shot. Um, okay, here's what we're going to do. We are going to go through picks one through 13. And we're going to say what we think the most optimal pick within reason, given the team, right? So we're not going to go like, the example is the Giants, right? We think the Giants should take a wide receiver probably not within reason for them to take one. So we're going to kind of talk within the parameters of the team, what their best outcome and worst outcome would be. And we're going to start, of course, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Are you going to try and get creative and say that their best outcome isn't just taking Joe Burrow? No. Um, The reason why I say that is I think football (laughs) – Football is more than just what happens on the field to some degree, right? And I think it's very difficult to sell a fan base like this one, which is lukewarm uh, at best right now, that the best thing to do is to trade back for the opportunity to possibly get the second best quarterback in the draft. So uh, I think Burrow is the best option for them. Yeah, I so I think that's the clear best option. I'm trying to think of the worst option. Oh, I know and- what it is. Well, okay, but I, I now I had two things I was thinking of. Both of them, because I don't think it's within the realm of possibility for them to stay at one and not take Joe Burrow. I think that you'd have to be certifiably mentally unstable to stay at one and take Justin Herbert. You have to be so out of this universe to think that's a logical decision. So the two bad decisions would be trading down and taking Herbert instead of Tua, or, and I'm curious if you think this is even possible, they trade down and don't take a quarterback. And I don't, is that unten- Is that out of the realm of possibility? No, here's the thing. The worst decision for them, and I think it's actually plausible, is to take Chase Young at one. You think so? The, trading back and not getting a quarterback is better than taking Chase Young at one. You think that there are, because, so this wouldn't be unprecedented. The, the whole keeping everything in the dark, right? It was only a couple of years ago where, you know, everyone was saying it's going to be this quarterback, it's going to be this quarterback. And then the day before it's Baker Mayfield, right? That They kept that under wraps. The Cleveland Browns did, which means anyone can. You really think that they could legitimately go in and take Chase Young at one? I, I just don't think that's in the realm of possibility. Well, that's the thing. And this, with this particular pick, the, spread, the set of things that are plausible is very small. 
but I do think that, you know, uh, I do think that them taking Chase Young with the first pick is both something that people have mocked already and be the worst thing they could do. Okay. I, I think the worst thing that they can do is trade back, have an opportunity to still take Tua and end up with Justin Herbert, who yeah. um, Mike Renner had a great tweet today about percentage of uncatchable throws between like five and 20 yards downfield. And Herbert and Love are just in a totally different yeah. uh, realm. And maybe we'll talk about this more in a little bit, but um, you know the, the comparisons, you tweeted this out. Patrick Mahomes and, and Jordan Love are, are not the same guy. Like that's not a cop. And the reason it's not a cop for Herbert or Love is that they don't make the common throw that every NFL quarterback should make at a high rate. They make it at a below average rate. So to me, that'd be the the, the worst move for them. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the the I wrote an article this week this this uh, today about Justin Herbert. It's not. Tr- I mean, I just. My thing is, is he shouldn't even be in the conversation for the top 10, uh, let alone top one. So, yeah, if they take I don't think they're taking Herbert at one. Um, but even then, if they take Chase Young at one, that's a that's a very bad decision. I, I don't think it's possible. But anyways, uh, that would be that'd be amazing. Um, number two, the Washington Redskins. Uh, in my mind, the best pick um, that they can make is to a at two. I went back and forth between trading down and seeing what happens, right? And and taking, you know, maybe a team really does want to trade up for Chase Young, but wouldn't put it past him, and they maybe still get the quarterback, um, or they ride with Dwayne Haskins. But I just can't get over the fact that it just doesn't matter until you have a good quarterback. So for me, their optimal decision is taking to it. Yeah, um, you do, I. That's a good point. I think second probably is to trade back, much like we advised in the in the mock uh, with a team like Miami, get multiple picks, uh, ride it out with Haskins, and if he st- struggles next year, you have the opportunity for Lawrence uh, and Fields. Um, but yeah, that that to me, yeah, Tua is a, a very good option for them. Trading back is also one, especially if they can get um, if they can get. Uh, value to me the worst one and you know i picking chase young is not great here for them for sure um but i would say i still would say something like basically if they take a non-quarterback at two that's a really bad decision i i don't think it's without it's it's outside their own possibility that they take a non-quarterback slash chase young player at two um and i i think it why would they not consider Okuda at two? You know, I, I know it's, it's goes against what the NFL does, which is value edge players over corners dramatically. Um, but they have no one that can, that can cover. So right. they just got, you know, they just got rid of, they just got rid of Quinton Dunbar who can play. Uh, I know Josh Norman hasn't been good, um, but they, they obviously they have to replace him. They got Kendall Fuller from Kansas City, but he's more of an inside guy. Um, it, it's it's not looking good, and, I, and that's why I think trading back is a great a great opportunity for them because you know then you force Detroit right if you if you trade that pick for the for the quarterback, um, then you force Detroit to make a a, a decision between Akuda and Young. And that increases your chances, say, at the fifth pick that you get a Cuda, because I don't think the Giants are taking a corner at four. Yep. 
No, and, and that would be that's why I think of it as Tua and trade back as as close, right? As as very close. And then the op, the worst option within the realm of possibility for me is taking Chase Young, which is a very good worst option. We're going to talk about a lot yeah. of bad options that are way way worse. Um, but just the value that you get from a edge rusher, where you know they play, you know they, they don't play as many snaps as you think. Um, rushing the passer is just not as valuable as people understand it to be because even when you don't get there for a sack, and if you don't get there for a sack, it's incumbent upon the quarterback, the wide receiver, and the coverage player to all do their job either well or poorly for your pressure to matter. So um, so I think we're in alignment there. Okay, uh, numero tres, the Detroit Lions. Their best option at three is what? Or who? Well, if conditional on Tua being available, I think it is Tua. Um, conditioned on him being unavailable, it's it's probably uh, and and aside from a trade, I do think it's I think it's Jeffrey Akuda because I think that that's how we view defense being built these days. Yeah, so I'm going to go into the. I think Chase Young is the is likely to be number two. Um, and so then at number three, I, I go back and forth here because I beat, beat the drum for Tua at three. But if you can get the Miami Dolphins to bite and you can pick up, say you can get all three of their first round picks this year, the Lions have a chance. And, you know, I, I had a really good conversation uh, with someone this past week where they said, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily about um, tanking or not tanking. It's about having the assets to go get your guy if he's there. And if you're the Lions, you give yourself a shot to win right now, and you pick up assets. And those assets can allow you to go get your guy should Matt Stafford, you know, flame out and, and that not be your guy in, in a year, you know? Um, so to me, that's actually, I think, right there with Tua. Um, because it would give you a chance to take advantage of what you have right now, which is some decent talent on that team. And Matt Stafford, who played pretty darn well last year, I mean, up until he got injured, um, he was leading the league in percentage of positively graded throws. So mm-hmm. um, to me, I'm really tempted to say their best option is actually to trade back with the Dolphins should they be able to get three first-round picks. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. All right. Worst option. Worst option is. A defensive tackle. Yep. Which one? Uh, though? I, I think there's a difference. Derek, Brown, Derek Brown's a far worse choice here than, than Javon Kinlaw or anybody who can rush the passer. So, um, because Detroit, I know they lost snacks and they're, they're considered weak up front, um, you know, in some sense. But the, their issue was is they were both it, uh, unwilling and unable to rush the passer last year. And, and so – um, if they if they think that Derek Brown is the solution to that, they are nuts. So I know that Belichick would never, I don't think, would ever take uh, a defensive tackle at three, and that makes me more bullish on the possibility of Patricia wanting a space eating defensive interior player. I don't know; it just seems to fit, I guess. Uh, and that would crush. All of the things we've talked about, which is, hey, the Lions are a sneaky pick to win that division. Matt Safford is a sneaky pick to uh, win MVP. 
Um, and it would just make me sad for a fan base that I actually think it's a bad rap. Like I think the Lions fans are super loyal. They've dealt with a ton of unfortunate events. Um, and of all the fan bases out there, I actually don't find them to be overly irrational. Like I, I don't know, maybe that's just the ones that I've interacted with. They've all been decent, um, decently reasoned. So I hope that doesn't happen. I think of the three options that we've talked about, the three worst options right now. Um, this one is, well, it's, it's probably less likely than the Redskins taking Chase Young, um, but it's certainly, it's certainly close, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so. I, you know, if they, if it, it would be a move, you know, similar. And I wonder if teams have sort of learned from, and now Quinn and Williams is a far better prospect in my opinion than uh, Derek Brown. But I wonder if teams have realized that, you know, that interior player is not quite uh, going to give you the value that you want at the third overall pick, even Leonard Williams, uh, a player who we're going to talk about the giants in a second, uh, you know, who, was picked high, played well, and, and really hasn't provided value even in doing so. Even Aaron Donald, who provided value, it wasn't, it's not needle moving in the way that a quarterback is. I mean, yeah, and he uh, was the 14th overall pick. So, like, <laughs> and, and we should just mention this again because people continue to ask this question. But here's the reason a quarterback can add, it can get you from four wins to nine wins. Any other player at any position can't do that. Once you're there, those ancillary pieces can make, can seem like a big difference, right? A guy can add, can get you a clue Mac can get you from nine to 10, right? You know, he can help you go from nine to, uh, you know, 11. And that's th- that you don't want that in the reverse order though, because when that guy is helping you get from four to five and a half, it's actually hurting you because now you're in a worse position to draft the next year. So that's what we talk, we're talking about when we say that. And I, I just don't think it can be stressed enough. Um, numero four, the New York Giants. I don't think there's any shot that they actually take a wide receiver, which is what we yeah. would recommend they do. Um, so to me, their best option uh, here is to take um, an offensive tackle. And I'm curious if you agree with me there. Uh, I kind of do. I, yeah. So um, I think that they'll take Isaiah Simmons and I don't think that that will be a disaster. Um, but the value of a player like Simmons, I think on the high end can be as good or better than a tackle. Um, but on the low end, because coverage is so unstable, because he's probably going to be asked to do things at the NFL level, he was not asked to do in college. Um, the low end, the, the, the floor is so much lower. Um, yeah. So, so I do think taking a tackle, something like Werfs, uh, something like, uh, you know, Andrew Thomas, Andrew Thomas, um, you know, should uh, Mackay Becton, we don't like him quite as much, but, um, you know, taking a tackle there is probably not the worst thing in the world, but I do think Simmons, if they're trying to shoot the moon and have sort of a, you know, you got a, a, a quarterback on offense and a quarterback on defense. I don't think it's as egregious just because of, you know, his 90th percentile is probably a pretty good player and a pretty valuable player to a team that has not been able to cover the middle of the field since Eli won his first Super Bowl. To me, the, their worst uh, option here is the one that we just talked about with the Lions, which is them taking an interior guy. Um, if Derek Brown is gone, you know, maybe they take Javon Kinlaw or they consider taking uh, Derek Brown here, which would be it would be the position that would least help you find out more about 
uh, Daniel Jones, which is why I think offensive tackle is their best of their possible outcomes. Cause you at least, you at least have a chance to get a guy who's going to help Daniel Jones stay in a clean pocket, maybe a little bit longer. And you learn a little bit more about Daniel Jones in that situation. Um, I would lean worse. That's where our projections like a little bit more, but I could see them going certainly with Andrew Thomas. If you said, okay, their other options are Becton, Simmons, and I'm trying to think here. Becton, Simmons, and uh, Javon Kinlaw. How do you rank those three? Simmons, Becton, Kinlaw. I don't like Sim. I don't like Becton nearly as much, maybe as some people. I don't think he's bad, um, but I don't think he's worth a top five pick. Yeah. I, Whereas I think Simmons, Simmons is legitimately a player who could have the impact of somebody like Jamal Adams, somebody like Derwin James, um, which is not trivial, you know, and in a situation where they seem destined on not picking a wide receiver, uh, certainly worth it. Becton's the thing about Becton, you wrote a great piece uh, with Ben Lindsay on this is it's just that we have such a small sample size of him doing anything that resembles a NFL pass set. And for that reason, yeah, sure. The, the, in, the athletic metrics are insane. Of course, there's plenty of freak athletes out there. It matters more whether he can actually, you know, kick step and pass protect. Um, just because he has the athletic profile, you want it to merge, obviously. So there's a ton of variance there. Uh, I'm with you. Okay. Six, the Los Angeles Chargers, their best move. Oh, man. so are we, did we pass over the Dolphins? Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought they already traded up. Yes, the Dolphins are five. Uh, so the Dolphins are at five. Obviously, the best case scenario for them is to luck into Tua, right? Yep. Clearly, 100%. Yep. If, you, if you get to do what Washington did last year and you stay pat and somehow, you know, the second best quarterback in the draft lands at, in your spot, perfect. Um, besides that, at five, um, and I advocated for this on the radio earlier today, I, st- I think trading back is probably their best option still. Um, because of what you just said, which is they're not going to be bad next year. I don't think, I think Fitzpatrick will get them to six, seven wins. I think their, their defense is way better than it was last year. But if, if, if it comes down to it next year and you have a war chest of draft picks, you can go up and get your guy. Right. And think, okay, go ahead. Sorry. I have a thought. And I, and I think so if they move back, and they c- continue to create a war chest of play of draft picks, J- Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields will be their guy because they'll be able to overwhelm the team that ends up with those draft picks with ammunition. Do you think Brian Flores would trade with Belichick? So if Belichick, as the reports say, likes Herbert, sure. Of course he would. Or, or to, uh, you know, he and Saban are close. Yeah, right. I don't think he'll trade... I think if Tua lands to them at five, they'll take him. Um, but I don't. I do think that there's some question as to whether they believe he's worth multiple picks. It's sort of you know we live in a world where we talk about absolutes, but I certainly think it's plausible to think to yourself if you're the Dolphins, if Tua lands with us at five, great, we'll take him. We'll take our chance there. We're not going to rule out taking a quarterback next year, but we'll take him this year. And if he's great, that's awesome. If he's not, we'll just try again but we're not going to trade our entire draft to go up and get him. I think that's a, 
a plausible way to view the NFL draft this year on, on behalf of the Miami Dolphins? I, I think the worst option, uh, I'm with you there, uh, the worst option for them, and I went back and forth on this, um, I actually think the worst option for them is taking Herbert. And I, I thought, okay, well, maybe it's taking a tackle because, you know, you still have Fitzpatrick, he wins you enough games. Um, but I, I really do think it's taking Herbert there because it's such an overvaluation of what he's done at the college level. Um, and it's just a gross mismanagement of the value of that pick. Whereas at least if you take a tackle, you've got a chance to still make it easier to, to go up and get a quarterback next year. Whereas I feel like with Herbert, you're stuck in that situation where now you've got to convince, you know, your franchise and, and your ownership. Oh yeah. We took this guy in the first round last year at five. He sucked. We have to go get a guy again next year. Yep. But I, but I think a, a team committed to such a process will be, um, will yeah. be fairly, will be fairly willing to do that. Yeah. But I don't know how committed everyone is. So, you know, it all, it takes it, once a little bit of questioning comes into play, you know, people that are weak can get lured in one direction. And so I, I think it's something that you don't want to mess with. Um, in my opinion. So if Tua's, let's say the Chargers or someone jumps up and takes Tua and they're sitting there, do you think there's enough of a market for Herbert that they could trade back? (laughs) Somebody's silliness would be their gain in that, in that instance. Maybe, I mean, Herbert's draft prop is currently at five and a half. It's juiced towards the over, but there's certainly, I think a very non-trivial probability that a team wants Herbert and is willing to go into the top six to get him. That'd be, that'd be something. Okay, now to my Chargers. Uh, best option for the Chargers, and I, I think this is within the realm of possibility, um, unlike the, the prior picks, is that they take a wide receiver, either a Jerry Judy, a CeeDee Lamb, or a Henry Ruggs. Do yep. you think that's within the realm of possibility, or do you feel like there's no way they do that? Yeah, I do think there's a trace chance that Tua gets to them at six, but let's avoid that. But I, I think the best option for them at six is a wide receiver followed closely, I think, by Isaiah Simmons. Because their whole team is their whole team is pretty much set except for quarterback. They they could probably use a tackle, but they they got Bulaga there to play for them. Um and if their quarterback is somebody who invites pressure, then who cares who their tackle is, right? At some point. So I agree with you that it's wide receiver. You put that guy on a team with Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Uh, you're gonna ha- you're gonna give whomever that quarterback is a, an opportunity to, to succeed or fail. Uh, and yeah, so I think it's a great idea. I I think their worst option within the realm of possibility is again taking Herbert. Um, and because I, I just can't imagine that they would take. I can't imagine that they would invest in the tackle position if Tyrod Taylor is going to be their QB, right? He holds onto the ball. That's just what he does. Um, so to me, it's, hey, if two is there, you take two, that's obvious. Two is not there, and you've got Jerry Judy versus Justin Herbert, or Henry Ruggs versus Justin Herbert. Take your wide receiver one, make your offense as potent as possible, and then bring in Jameis Winston, bring in Cam Newton. But don't take Justin Herbert and waste an incredibly talented team with a guy that, you're just overdrafting. Well, and that's the tricky part, right? Because when you think of, you know, my comp for, for Herbert has been Brady Quinn. And I think that 
Brady Quinn being selected in the back half of the first round. And in fact, the back third is in my opinion, and still despite, I think the trade up wasn't great, but the draft position in and of itself, not terrible. If you draft a quarterback in that back third of the first round, there's a chance he he's never going to play. There's a chance he's Patrick Ramsey. There's a chance uh, he's Jim Druckenmiller to bring back the 49ers uh, um, memories. Um, Incredible. And that's not that bad, right? You're, you're, is a high variance, but you, you're, if you're drafting him at six, you are playing him. He, he, he is a failure if he does not become the franchise quarterback. And for me, there's so much of a chance that that's true for Justin Herbert. And as, as a result, I do agree with you that picking him at six would be a, a, a very big mistake. I agree. All right. Number seven, the Carolina Panthers, I guess. We might have been thinking about quarterback here, but it seems as though they're they're not in that camp. Who knows? Maybe they try and make a move. Um, so with that being said, the best option for Carolina. Uh, Isaiah Simmons. Is that the best one, though? Is there any way? It, what, if, what if the best wide receivers on the board? Is that not a better move for them? Uh, yes, but, but relative to expectations, I think all those wide receivers, their draft position is like 11 and a half, 12 and a half, 13 and a half. And so relative to what the market's bearing, you could, I think if you're Carolina and you trade back to 10, you get one of those three players, no matter what. Um, and so, whereas with Simmons, his prop is six and a half and very like minus 180 to the under. Um, if he falls to to you at seven and you have a chance to build your defense around him, your defense is terrible, right? The no good players on that defense. I think relative to expectations, it's probably the best outcome. So here's the best outcome for the Panthers. And I'm going to rebuild their franchise super quickly. The best outcome is that John Gruden has fallen in love with Herbert or Jordan love and thinks that the Jaguars like one of those guys as well and wants to jump that team yeah, and offers a ton to the Panthers and the Panthers can somehow get out of that pick. Cause I don't think there that anyone is, um, I, I don't think anyone else. I agree know, with you. It, There's not one pick in this draft. That's going to help turn around Carolina, which is why it's a perplexing place for Teddy Bridgewater to be. It's a perplexing place for Robbie Anderson to be. This is a multiple year rebuild for the Carolina Panthers. And I agree with you. There's, there's not one pick that turns them from a good team to a bad or a bad team to a good team right away. And that's why I think the worst, the worst thing is for them to stay there and take, um, you know, I don't think it's to take Isaiah Simmons. There are worse options there. Certainly like Um, Derek Brown, like if they take a defensive tackle to try to be tough. Sure. I mean, we've talked about those guys a ton. I feel like we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but um, yeah, uh, that's, that's accurate. Uh, the Cardinals at eight. Uh, so to me, their best option here, and I, I think it's, it's one or the other. So it depends if the best offensive tackles have already been taken. So if there's like some run on offensive tackles, then you take the number one wide receiver. If there's an, if the receivers have been taken and you can still get, you know, offensive tackle one or two, Thomas or, or worse, I think you take that guy. But I'm a little skeptical about it because I, I could see, you know, the ability to just have receivers be somewhat open is going to mitigate the horribleness of that 
pass protection unit in, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And Kyler Murray, I'm bullish on him being able to to manage that, right? With DeAndre Hopkins now, still have Larry Fitz, you have any of Isabella from last year. Like, why not just add Jerry Judy? Why not just add Henry Ruggs and just be super explosive and have a guy open every single time you, you snap the ball? That takes care of two problems at once. So I'm, I'm kind of leaning because I don't think offensive tackle one and two are there, that their best option is to go um, is to go with receiver. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, the both of the, the draft props for some of the higher tackles are somewhere on eight, eight and a half. So they, in some sense, might be lucky to get the best one uh, at that spot. And as a result, if, if, one, if, if the first tackle comes off the board to them at eight, it's a great get for them. Um, but at the same time, as you said, last season, their offensive line was basically the same as the year before and did fine. Their offense emerged, uh, you know, from the bottom of the league to just in the bottom third. So that's that's immense improvement and shows the limitations of how much value a tackle can add. Whereas I think with wide receiver, um, you know, rugs would obviously be a great, you know, deep threat for them. Um, but even Lamb or Judy could, you know, be that underneath guy. Uh you know, to supplement DeAndre Hopkins. Are they a sneaky, um, we would take a defensive tackle team? Uh, you know, I, I would have said yes before last year. Um, I think last year was really the test, right? Because almost everybody had Quinnen Williams as the best player in the draft, right? Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of thoughts that they were going to take him instead of Kyler Murray. Um, but they emerged from that victorious. Uh, and, and so I've, they're less likely for me to be a team that is a, you know, rough and tumble, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Let's but take maybe, a defensive tackle. Maybe they missed their shot. And, you know, they're like, hey, this is the year. Now we got our quarterback. Now we can take the space eating interior alignment. Maybe, um, although they saw they saw what happened when the Jets took uh, Quinnen. It, to me, it's a no-lose position for the Cardinals. I feel like they end up with a couple of really good options, either receiver or tackle. The, the, the bad thing would be they end up in a situation where they have those options at receiver and instead they reach on like, you know, a tackle that's a little further down instead of taking one of those guys. Um, Jaguars at nine. Um, best. Uh, why don't you just do your best and your worst? Best outcome is trading back. Um because again, I think they're a lot like Carolina. We're not one player is going to turn around their franchise. Worst outcome is one of the bad, one of the, the, I think the worst outcome is actually Herbert or love there, in my opinion. Yeah. Love, love was um, the one for me. I, you know, I think you give Gardner Minshew a shot here. And so for me, the best outcome is grabbing what might be the wide receiver one still on the board. That's their best outcome. And their worst one is reaching on a quarterback <laughs> that might not be able to beat out Gardner Minshew. And there you just, I mean, people's heads are going to explode. Um, a sneaky good outcome would be them taking uh, Christian Fulton because they have no cornerbacks. Um, Cleveland Browns at 10. So I was, again, tempted to go wide receiver here, but I, I think their best outcome is to take uh, you know, the offensive tackle who's still on the board. So is it number three? Is it Josh Jones? Um, and I, I can't see them getting away from offensive tackle given how badly they need one. So 
my worst outcome would be them to take basically any position besides offensive tackle. Yeah, I think the only qualifier I'll add to that is that I would rather them take somebody other than Mackay Becton. Um, my issue with, yeah. you know, the he is athletic and they are going to run that run scheme that, that Stefanski likes, which does prefer athletic linemen. So to that degree, he could help. But to me, the Cleveland Browns for so long have been too much of a risk-reward team that they need a player who maybe his ceiling isn't quite as high, but his floor is really high. And that's Werfs. That's, you know, some of these, that's, Thomas. you know, some of these other guys that, yeah. that I like better um, than it is Mackay Becton. They have a shockingly talented roster. Yes. So um, yep. they, they should be avoiding what they need to avoid is catastrophic deficiencies at particular points of, of interest. So, Last year, they had a catastrophic deficiency at offensive tackle and head coach. This year, it seems like they've mitigated the head coach part. They need to avoid um, the offensive tackle part. Uh, the Jets at 11. Um, what do you think here? Well, I think their best option is to enhance Sam Darnold. So it's the if, if one of the best, if the if they get their choice of who the best receiver is, that's the best outcome. And in our opinion, it's probably rugs that would offer them the most value. Um, but I don't think they could go wrong with Judy or lamb either. Uh, but their, their best outcome is to get the, uh, the choice to pick the best receiver. The worst outcome for them is to try to replace Leonard Williams um, with, with edge Brown, defender two Kinlaw. Right. Exactly. Like um, yeah. Edge defender two is also uh, anybody who takes in an edge after um uh, Chase Young in the top 20 picks is fooling themselves. So I, I think that's within the realm of possibility here. The only saving grace is that they desperately need receiver and they desperately need uh, a tackle. And I was talking to um, a lifelong Jets fan this past weekend, and he was like, look, I want him to go tackle first and not receiver. And the reasoning being is that the NFL is just going to, they're going to take the tackles far earlier than they will the receivers. So let me take my chances on the next receiver and let me get, um, you know, the tackle that's still here, which I, I don't hate because what if you have people just refusing to take uh, wide receivers and say maybe only four receivers get taken in the first round? Yeah, that's I, I, I'm writing about that currently. The, the probability, you know, it's sort of like talking about Jalen Rager or whatever, but it's like that the, that would be no more of an explicit case for why the league might be a little bit behind us in terms of value. If there was only four receivers taken in the first round. Right. You could, you could theoretically get, you know, uh, Jalen Rager in the second round. Yep. It's not out of the realm of possibility. All right. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, my uh, worst outcome for them is, is Jordan Love. Um, yes. And my best outcome for them is, is Henry Ruggs. And I, I don't think, um, I don't think it's particularly close as far as what the next best and what the next worst are, because I, they desperately need um, some receivers that can stretch the field. Love strikes me as the kind of player that John Gruden thinks he can mold oh, and control. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that would be a nightmare um, Herbert, for them. Herbert's the same, honestly. Yeah. Right. Um, I think Herbert is little a little bit less damaged goods, but you're absolutely right. Um, 
and, and that's you know that's not. <clears throat> I think Rugs is a it, unlike some of these other teams where they could just use a receiver no matter what. What I think Rugs is perfect for that offense in the sense that they have not had anybody who can stretch the field. Hunter Renfro, Tyrell Williams have been fine underneath. Obviously, Darren Waller is a tight end. Rugs is the is I think the type the style that makes the fight there for Oakland uh, or Las Vegas even. Uh, he's, it, um, and that, that to me, I think is the best outcome. All right. We're going to stop at 13. We had to do 13. Because, yeah, I had to do 13. Because uh, reports have been that the San Francisco 49ers are searching for someone to eat space in the middle of the field, which uh, immediately sends me into uh, a fit of hysteria because that's not that. That's not what they need. They've just gotten this awesome opportunity to take some of the thirteen. They desperately need a receiver. They could use a cornerback. You know, they they tried Onikella Witherspoon. That hasn't worked. Emmanuel Mosley played well, but that, that's not necessarily someone that you want, as we've talked about, to put a lot of stake and consistent performance from. So here, option A is what? Well, I don't know. Somebody to stop Damian Williams. I don't. I'm just kidding. I no. I mean that's ridiculous, right? I mean the to to overcompensate for. I mean, I thought the fact that they let Williams have a decent game in the Super Bowl was evidence that they understood what 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 worked, no. right? No, it's not. There's it's no like, way. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. Uh, so the worst one is obviously Kinlaw or Brown uh, in that position. I would even say you know, the second best linebacker in the draft would be a yep. terrible choice. You know, they see, you know, they see that, you know, Kwan Alexander struggled as their third linebacker in the Super Bowl, and they overreact to that, even though you're a two linebacker league. Um, the, the best, the best choice for them. And I've, I've waffled back and forth uh, is wide receiver. And it's because Jimmy G, as much as we both like him, I think, you know, I, I, think he's a good quarterback. I think he has uh, a a mental factor that a lot of quarterbacks who are far more talented than him don't have. Um, But you need somebody on the outside that can win. Debo's a great player. Uh, I think Kendrick Bourne's fine as a three. You need that number one or two receiver. And if, if, if the second best of the three receivers, Judy lamb or rugs falls to them and they can take him, that's the best option. It's not even close. I, I would say that's even far cry from taking a cornerback there because and Pete, there are a lot of question marks, a lot of these corners. And um, we, you know, we both like Christian Fulton. There's a lot of reason to believe that the market doesn't. And so you don't want to over, you know, even if you love Cleveland Farrell, you don't take him at four, right? Um, and this is where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if um, there are already two wide receivers off the board at this point or three even um, just because of where the Jags uh, you know, and the, the Raiders could go. And then there's always, you know, a sneaky team in there, like maybe the Cardinals because of where the tackles have gone. Um, so you may be in a situation where you are looking at wide receiver number four. And to me, that's the tricky part where you like, do I take Christian Fulton or do I take Jalen Rager? And my opinion there is you take Rager because then you can get Jalen Johnson, maybe at the back. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can get Jeff Gladney. Uh, do you think? Do you round. think of any? I mean, do you think at that point you take consideration of the market and think to yourself, okay, uh, Rager, his over under is thirty two and a half. Um, do you trade back? 
because I because I do think a trade back is is a but good option. Trading up. Well, thirteen is thirteen was thirteen and fourteen have been the rumored spots for Jordan Love to go. Um, and yeah. so I think if you can get a dumber team to trade you assets to go up and get Jordan Love. I think the San Francisco 49ers should the the best three wide receivers be gone by then, which is a distinct possibility given all of their draft props. You should trade back because again, what you do in that circumstance is you add some certainty to taking say a corner in the twenties with the added draft capital that you get. So it would have to be a team wanting to jump the Raiders, right? Because you know, you look at the next Uh, few picks, right? It goes Tampa Bay, Denver, Atlanta, Dallas, Washington, and and then you get to Oakland and Jacksonville, who are theoretically the teams that could take them. So, you know, would Jacksonville be willing to try and jump the Raiders and want to go that far? Would it be a team like the uh, Patriots who want to jump both, you know, both of those teams? That to me seems more Yeah, realistic. the Patriots and 49ers have traded before for quarterbacks, right? This is not out of the ordinary. Um, it's also... I mean, it's anybody. I mean, Minnesota could be in the market because Kirk Cousins doesn't have a no trade clause anymore. Uh, You know, plenty of teams, I think, could be in a position there. And the thing is, is we're conditioning this on all three of the best receivers having already been taken. There's not a circumstance, I think, where all three of the best receivers have been taken and not one of them was taken by Oakland or L.A., but L.V. That's a good point. You know, so good point. So if if. If that has happened, I think the 40 and to the point of Jeff Akuda, right? Like there's a, there's a chance that Akuda falls to a, to a degree where again, like that position becomes a Jordan love position and the Niners should absolutely, uh, if there's not a good receiver available to them, trade back. I I just struggle to see them getting a lot of takers. Like, I I mean, I, I hope they do. I think it's just me being pessimistic. Um, but I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified. I, so another um, uh, just admission of, of my doubt here is that I did some draft sims where I took Kinlaw in this spot just to prepare myself mentally. So by the way, <laughs> if you're listening and you haven't tried out the uh, mock draft simulator, you should go check it out. It's getting pounded with uh, traffic. So chance you pop on there, it's a little slow, but um, it, yeah, it's a, it's a know. great, as we talked to Timo the other day, he did such a great job with this. So it's um, so fun, but I have taken Kinlaw and then seen what's remaining and it pains me quite a bit, but I've had some opportunities where I have gotten a Denzel Mims. I have gotten a Jalen Rager. Uh, my worry is that both those guys are gone as is Justin Jefferson. And you're sitting there with like, okay, well, do I take T Higgins here? Who I actually think could be gone as well. So, yeah. No, no, it, yeah, that's sort of like, uh, you know, betting on like no sports returning before like June 1st. It's sort of like an emotional hedge. Yes, that's that's exactly what it is. (laughs) I'm just trying to make sure I don't curse uh, on the air. So uh, speaking of which, we will be, uh, we will be doing a live draft show Thursday and Friday. You'll be able to catch it on YouTube. uh, YouTube. Uh, Our live stream will be there. We'll live stream on Periscope. As well, I believe uh, you and I will both be on it. Chris uh, Collinsworth, Mike Renner, Steve Palazzolo, Austin Gale, Sam Monson, Solly will be on. It'll be a fun time. We'll all be remote. It'll be fun to see everyone set up. Um, before we get out of here, uh, we are going to uh, – oh, I should also mention, 
new draft guide just dropped today. Yep. And it is awesome. The team wrap-ups are sweet. So you'll want to go check that out. I, I can't wait to go read them. That's going to be one of the things that I do to prep for uh, the draft show. Um, we said we would talk about what has happened to our lives <laughs> in quarantine. So uh, why don't you go first? Talk to me about like the craziest things, the weirdest, most bored things that has happened or that you have done uh, over the past, I don't know, three, four weeks. I would say that the the funniest thing has been when I was on the air with our friend friend of the show Matt Collar, who I've just taken to you know you're to not getting to to losing weight during this time, uh, and so as such, every time that I have a radio hit, I take a walk. Um, but yeah. there was a there was a time where I took a radio hit. And we talked about a game between the 2002 uh, Saints and Vikings. Oh, God and. I was walking up a hill and I was like sort of out of breath during the middle of it. And I got <laughs> called out for it on the air. I'm not surprised that you got called out for being on a walk. Uh, I am surprised that you got called out for being out of breath. I feel like that's something that you would be conscious about. Uh, no, I, I was, it was just one of those where I, I didn't hide it nearly as well as I thought I did. And my friend, uh, obviously sort of knows me knew that he just sort of made fun of me. And then I told him the whole spiel, which is sort of how we're, you know, uh, we're still allowed to walk here. Uh, I, I keep, I'm the, I'm the person who will, you know, if there's another person walk running or walking down the sideline, I just go to the middle of the street and to, a, to, so as to be more than six feet away from another person. Um, but I do it, you know, sort of, uh, there's a nice like trail, uh, for me. Uh, and yeah, but I would say second to it has been the fact that my hours are completely back to when I was a professor, which is I work until 2 a.m. I wake up basically as early as I need to. Uh, and then I take a nap during the middle of the day before waking up again to, uh, to work. I start work again at like eight. So you, I mean, this is a huge admission. You're taking naps now on a regular basis. I, I haven't, I am not a napper. There was a portion of time during college where I started doing them occasionally but it was only because I had a bunch of roommates who also did it. And it was like, you go out, you know, you are so tired, you know, whatever. It kind of makes sense. Nothing really matters in college. And so you like sort of start doing that. But I can't remember the last time that I legitimately took a nap uh, on a work day. Like I just, even if I were to stay up super late or even pull an all nighter, which I have done before, I just find it very hard um, to take a nap. But when, um, when I was teaching, when I was teaching, I almost, I did it almost every day. I was, because I would work on PFF or other research for, uh, you know, my career and stuff. I would work, you know, you, you, you go in, you teach, you know, you go in nine o'clock, you leave about one or two and then you, uh, you know, you come home, you take a nap, you wake up, you play with the kids and then you work from like eight till two in the morning. Yeah. Not, not things that I, uh, yeah. that I have done. Um, Okay. Do you have any more? What about you? Okay. I've got a list here. So I have a couple of things. Um, the first is that, uh, so I used to be, when I would go into the office, I would wake up at about six and I'd get my day started. I was motivated to get up early because I needed to go to the gym first thing in the morning. Um, we have a guy who, the guy that runs our social media, Gordon, he's on the UK. So like, we talk at, you know, 620. And it was a great start to my day. I feel like I accomplished a lot. And 
you know, before, before anything happened. And now I'm like pressing snooze at like 650 <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like rolling out of bed at, at like 703. Yeah. Um, and I keep telling myself, okay, this is going to be the time. Like you're going to wake up early today. You're, this is going to be the week. Yep. Um, and it is super hard to make that happen. And this rolls into thing number two, which is that I bought a masterclass subscription and I have yet to make it through a single, a single episode of any masterclass. It's like $180. I feel like I've been. What, what have you, what have you sampled? Well, so the thing is you buy the subscription and you can do any class. So I was like, oh, this is a great deal. I will knock out three of these classes. I'll be cooking like Thomas Keller. I'll be directing movie scripts. Uh, I'll be directing <laughs> oh, movies. I'll be a, uh, you know, a champion chess player because Gary Kasparov has a thing. Um, and no, like not even close. I, I haven't yeah. even come close to watching anything. So um, that's been tough. The, the other two things that have been interesting is I've actually watched way less television. Um, than I normally do. Usually I would watch, uh, you know, like sports center at night or whatever. And I have no desire to watch that anymore. It also helps that I'm in, uh, I'm living with my girlfriend in DC. And we right, I was going to say, before. isn't that just correlated with what it is? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So we've lived together before and it, you know, it's, it's fine. Right. And, but we, we've always been intentionally living together, but we've had a bigger space. And she's in a studio in DC because we never figured a pandemic would hit and, you know, I'd have to be here. So like the funny, the, the funniest thing about it is like, I'm recording a podcast right now and the little things that you, you know, don't think about are, okay, when I'm doing a podcast, I got to make sure that it's like, that everything is okay. Um, and those little pieces of like blind spots, I think have been a super like kind of holy shit moment for me. Um, that I didn't realize how many you know things I took for granted uh, just to the work day. So, yeah, that that's interesting. I I certainly have. There have certainly been like times during this where I'm like, okay, I really need to read this book. I I you know the book that George W. Bush cited about uh, the 1918 or yeah, pand uh, Spanish flu. I started reading that. I'm like you know 20 percent or something through it. And one day I'm like, God, you're such a pansy for not reading this tonight. <laughs> And I'm like, every once in a while, I've had to go like, no, this is a global pandemic. If you're not at peak efficiency, you're not the worst thing that's ever happened to the world. You know, have have you ever, have you, have you put that, have you ever had to say that to yourself as like a self sort of like, uh, 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 you know, uh, nurturing thing? I haven't let myself get there. Here's why I, we are super lucky. We both have our jobs. Um, you know, we're both in a situation where like we can kind of bury ourselves in work and the, the rate at which we have to worry about things is so much lower. What I think is really interesting, though, is that despite that, and I think there are a lot of people in our situation who are like, hey, this is going to be the most creative time of my life. I do all these things. Be great. Like, I actually don't think that's super re- realistic right now because I think it's harder to work from home. There are more inefficiencies that you have to make up with with time. and. I, I do think even if you're not worrying about things very close to you, you're still worrying about things overall. And so I just think it makes it harder to focus. In fact, the last thing that I wrote down here is that I've been drinking uh, a nice little cocktail 
you know, just one, just one, uh, you know, not every day, but you know, it gets to Wednesday and it's like, okay, you yeah. know, maybe not. I don't have to drive home. I don't have to ride my bike home. Um, and, uh, I think that uh, as evidenced by the number of zoom cocktail hours that show up on my Instagram feed, that more people are doing this and probably not doing the master class they thought they would. I, I did have like a cigar one night. Uh, and did that you? is, that is a very, wow. unless I'm like at a casino with a friend or something, it's a very rare instance, but it was one of those, like, like you said, where it's like, well, you know, I don't need to be anywhere. I got my job. You know, I got my work done for the week or whatever. And it's like, okay. Like I, I've been watching a decent amount. Like I finished, I watched the last season of house of cards again. It kind of sucked actually, but like, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of bangers on Netflix now, you know, they've done a pretty good job. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's interesting how everybody's coping with this. Hopefully, you know, if you listen to our show, uh, we're helping you sort of get through this, uh, this time and, uh, you know, give you some entertainment and prepare you for the draft and all that good stuff. Yeah. it's It's almost here, man. I'm excited. Uh, that was the only, those are the only things I had. I haven't watched any TV shows. I'm kind of bummed about that. Oh, last thing. I have done the weirdest workouts. Um, I am doing things that I never thought existed to try and sweat <laughs> and work out. And I can't wait for a gym to reopen. I refuse to buy. I'm not buying a Peloton. I'm not going to buy some set of equipment that I'm going to immediately not have use for when this thing is over. So I'm trying to grit through it by just doing like body weight stuff. And it is a challenge. It is a real challenge. So pray for me. But you, you will, you will, you will overcome the great equalizer. You know, we, we I might be in, in half as good a shape as you by the time this is all said and done. So you love it's, to see it. It's bad, man. Um, all right. We will be back with you on Thursday. Thank you again for tuning in. Check out the draft guide, the draft lock, Sam, all those things. We appreciate it. Stay safe. the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details.